Well, it's good to be here. Uh, Joe and I talk a lot, and we enjoy hanging out. Um, we have some common Africa roots, right? And so we kind of tell those things together and have a lot of good memories. Um, but we do. We've been praying for this church for a long time. Uh, as many of you know, Pastor Doug, who used to be over at Epiphany in Camden, he and I have been friends for a long time. And Pastor Doug Logan calls me Old Whitehead. So um, we, we've, been, we've been friends for a long time and just really been excited to see what God's doing uh, through Epiphany and the network and the two churches that are close to us. This evening I wanted to just, as I prayed about what to share with you, uh, this verse came to my mind. And the primary verse we're going to look at is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. But before I read that, I want to go all the way to the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So we're going to, I'm going to read a few verses from the beginning, and then we're going to jump down and primarily look at one verse. But let me read this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and following. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture. And then all the way to almost to the end of the chapter, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That ends the reading of God's word. Let me pray, and then we'll look at God's word a little bit. Father, as we come this evening, uh, we come to learn and to grow, but we also know that the Bible just isn't in the old book. It's just not something special. It's not a good piece of literature. It's not that alone, but it's your word. And we know that as the Holy Spirit works through your word, it becomes alive. It speaks to us. It, it pierces through bone and marrow all the way into our heart. And Father, you know it's not, it's not, I can't do that. Pastor Joe can't do that. But you can through your power of your Holy Spirit. And you promise that when we gather together, when God's people gather together, the Spirit of Jesus will be with us. And he'll show us and open our eyes, allow us to see, take away the doubt, take away the distractions and the worries and all the stuff that's going on in life and teach us and be gracious to us and feed us and even sometimes even change us as we hear the word of God preached. And Father, I, you know I'm just a normal guy who's been called to do this, not because I'm smarter or better, but because for some reason you've called me to do it. So, Father, I pray that as I preach tonight that uh, you would speak through me. I, I don't want to be a distraction, so help me not to be one. And most of all, I pray that this will be all about you, not about me, and so that you'll receive all the glory. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever asked the question, is it worth it? Have you? Uh, can, I, can I tell you something? Just don't tell anybody. Is This afternoon, I was watching a certain football team lose again. And, you know, I've only been in the Philadelphia area for about six years, and so I've had allegiance to other football teams. And so there's a point in my mind, is it worth it to keep cheering on this team? Now, for you loyal fans, you know, you, you'll keep cheering even if you lose all the games, right? But you have these questions, is it worth it? But more important, we ask the question in life, you know, students, is it worth it to study if I have to sit behind a computer and not learn anything? 
Is it worth it to go to work every day when my work is just hard and difficult and, and I have a boss that treats me like garbage and, I, and it just seems useless and I'm not even making enough to pay my bills? Is it worth it? Is it worth it to keep working in relationships? Students, you know, kids, is it, is it worth obeying my mom and dad when they seem inconsistent? You know, husbands and wives, is it, is it worth keep loving my wife or my husband even, even when they don't treat me very well? We ask that question all the time, is it worth it? But one area for Christians where we struggle is we ask the question whether our faith in Jesus is worth it. Whether this journey of Christianity, is it, is it really worth it? Well, Paul is addressing that. The Apostle Paul, he's talking about this in this passage of Scripture. And notice he starts it out by saying, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters. And, and as I sure you know, when you put that, that little word therefore, it's, it's built on something that's going on before. He's, he's been explaining something, and he's been building up to this point. And so the therefore, what's it about? Well, the therefore is about the entire book. The therefore is the verses that I read earlier that Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, has been talking about Jesus, declaring the gospel of Jesus, and basically saying Jesus' work is the solution to all our problems. Jesus is the one who came, who came to earth, humbled himself, obeyed God's law perfectly. He didn't do anything wrong his entire time while he was on earth. And he came and he was perfectly righteous. He was the perfect person. And he did that because none of us could. Paul realized that. And Paul was a smart guy. And he tried to live a squeaky clean life. And it just, he knew it didn't work for him as good as he looked from the outside. He knew that he desperately needed Jesus, and he needed to believe in Jesus' perfect life on his behalf. So Jesus, that was the perfect righteous one, so by faith we can take that righteousness. And as we know, that righteousness, God looks at us, and when we believe in Jesus, he looks at us and we ask for forgiveness of sins. God, by his mercy and grace, even though we have sinned and we mess up a lot, we disobey a lot, God calls us righteous. And he allows us to come into his presence. But not only did Jesus live that perfect life, he died on a cross. He paid the penalty for our sins. But he didn't stay there very long, did he? He was raised on the third day. And that's what so much of this, this chapter is about, is the hope of Jesus. If Jesus was raised from the dead, then we have hope. If Jesus was raised from the dead, we have hope, not only for eternal life, but hope in this life right now. And that's the good news of what he's talking about. And that's the therefore, beloved brothers and sisters. But not only do we have eternal life, but notice he calls them beloved. He loves them. Paul is a caring pastor who really cared for his people. He loved them deeply. And Paul's love is really important, but nothing compared to God's love for us. And that's the love that's beyond comprehension. That's the love that Paul talks about. You can't measure it. It's further than the east is the west. It's, it's, a, it's a huge amount of love that none of us can comprehend, but it's true. Because God loves us, because God sent his son Jesus to come and to live the life we couldn't live, to pay the penalty, to take the punishment we deserved, and he was raised from the dead. We have this hope of we're brought into relationship through faith. That's just wonderful, dearly beloved, no matter how bad we mess up. That's exciting, but also could change our whole perspective as we look through our lives. And the previous verse to 58 is, but thanks to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> victory. Uh, that's not what happened this afternoon with the football game. It, 
you know, I have to confess, I don't like to watch very often because I'm, I'm a sore loser. So <laughs> I, I would watch for a while. I saw it go bad. I turned it off. And my curiosity comes back. I see it's getting worse. I turned it off. I'm hoping for a comeback. You know, I want to see victory, man, or I don't want to watch it. That's, I know that's not being good sportsmanship. But the good news of our faith in Jesus, it is always yes in Jesus. It's always a win because of what Christ has done for us. That's the good news. So he has conquered it all. He's gone before us, and he loves us with a love that's beyond all comprehension. And it's with a love. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he loves you today as much as he'll ever love you. It isn't like when we get to heaven one day, he's going to love us more. It's just that when we get to heaven one day, we'll finally get it. We're like, ooh, he really did love me. But Paul's even beginning to challenge us right now. Start looking and appreciating how much God loves you now because it'll radically change your life. It'll radically change your life. It'll radically change your perspective on those hard days and those difficult days when you're asking the question, is it worth it? Is it worth it? In Jesus, everything is worth it. But then he goes on, because he knows, like all of us, that we can become discouraged. He gives this challenge. It says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know, the work, and it's actually the word labor. It's like really hard work that every Christian, every believer in Jesus Christ has been called to. And part of that labor and that work simply is life, living as a believer in Jesus Christ, trying to to live as we should, trying to love as we should. But the bigger picture is that when we come to faith in Jesus, when we trust in him, and he, he calls us to be, as, as, as you know, lights and salt, he calls us to be witnesses. See, our life's changed. There's something happened. It's happened to me. It's good news. I'm excited about it. But not even if we're not excited about it, there's, I like to say, a light goes on. We begin to glow a little bit whether we want it to glow or not. God brings attention to us, whether we want that attention or not. But, but the point is to say is that when we, when once we meet Jesus and we're transformed by the good news of the gospel, that change is something we should be a part of, of sharing it with others, living it, caring for it, other people. Every believer has been called to participate in this work. And as you know, that work is about building a kingdom that we can't see, where it's going to get better and better and better until Jesus returns. And even though we may not see it, we can trust in the promise of Scripture. Now, the word, actually, that's work here is, like I mentioned earlier, is toil. It's something that when Peter was pulling in the nets in Luke chapter 5, he toiled all night. It's that, it's that really hard work, that stuff that wears you out, the thing, type of thing you're not sure some days you're even going to get through it. Uh, Paul used it as, as, as his work. You know, Paul oftentimes had to make a living while he was being a missionary. And so he made tents. And those tents were really heavy canvas that required heavy threads. And working with that was hard work. So Paul knew what it was like to work hard. He knew what that labor was. And you see, this job, this ministry, this work that God has called us all to isn't part-time. It isn't something seasonal. It's not something you can show up and do something on Sundays. It's underneath everything that we do. It's our life. We just realize that as I go through life, I want to be part of this process of pointing others to Jesus. You see, we're called to die to ourselves like Jesus died to himself so that through our life, others can see Jesus by our words, our actions, our attitudes, and what we do. 
That's the good news. That's what we're called to. But notice, again, back when Jesus was leaving his disciples, he, he said to these words, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon, comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, Samaria to the ends of the world. That idea of being a witness is, is, is actually, if you think about it, is a witness in court, right? You testify, you're giving the truth. And so what are we witnessing? What's, what, are we, what, are we, what are we a witness in regards to? We're a witness to what Jesus has done in our life and what he continues to do. And as I mentioned earlier, we're lights in a dark world. So that when people see our lights, as Matthew writes, that they will see the good in us, our good works, and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. So because this is an important job, and as a pastor, I can't tell you how important of this job it is. It isn't up to Pastor Joe. It isn't up to Pastor Dylan. It's up to all of us to be witnesses. As a matter of fact, sometimes the pastors, it's hard enough. As preachers, it's harder to be witness because people look at us and we, they think we're paid to behave this way, right? So this is part of your job. You see, you're, you're supposed to be that way. But everybody else is called to be witnesses, to be missionaries where you are. So in light of that, and as you go about your daily routines, whatever it is, you're called to do that. He uses the first word, be steadfast. The idea of standing firm, standing your ground, established, being, being consistent, regardless of what may come along. You just keep on going. And you don't give up despite it feeling like you're not making any progress, despite the fact that it may seem like it doesn't matter. You keep pressing on. You're steadfast. You're immovable. You, don't, you, you hold your ground. You see, you're, you're, you're one who, again, the picture of, of immovable is this picture of actually, and, and it may be a little hard for us to picture, but is a, is a giant ship that's moored to a harbor. And so it's immovable because of the chains or the ropes that hold it to that, to that harbor. And for believers and for Christians, it's, that's we are should be immovable because we're tied to the truth of what Jesus has done for us, but always abounding then in the work of the Lord. So after telling his readers to stand firm, Paul challenges them to excel. Always abounding means you keep doing better. You keep improving your skills. You keep working at it, realizing that sometimes it isn't going to work out well. You may be discouraged, but you keep pressing on. And it's always, at all times. It's what we do. It's our life. It's what we think about. So it's a it's again, again, it's interesting sometimes when the, we, uh, you know, the New Testament comes from Greek and there's parts of it sometimes that are hard to understand, but this abounding is a hard word to, to bring into English because it's like a, it's like a super abounding. It's like a, uh, Paul uses it in Ephesians chapter three where we are, we, Jesus, you know, through the promises, we can look to him to do abundantly beyond all that we can ask or imagine. So it's this picture like it's, a, it's, a, it's an exaggerated abundance because how can we do that and how are we to be abounding? It's because of the work of God's spirit that lives within us. Now, if I were to stop here, it could be, okay, that's great, Bob, but <laughs> how do I do this? How do I do this? How is it any different? And that's where this last phrase is so important to us. Knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. So there's the knowing part. It's understanding it. Sometimes, sometimes knowing something gets us through whatever we're feeling. Let me say that again. Sometimes knowing something gets us through whatever we're feeling. There can be times that I know, okay, I know that if I, my knowledge says that though I am terrified or though I'm, this is a challenging time to me, 
you know, statistics tell me I'm going to be, it's going to be fine as I come out the other side. Our knowledge, understanding something, changes how we view our life. Knowing, you see, if I came up here, knowing that Pastor Dylan didn't have a, a trap door or something, that, that if my sermon got boring, he would pull a, <laughs> he'd pull a little switch and Pastor Bob would just disappear. If I didn't know that what I was standing on wasn't firm, I wouldn't be standing here, right? My knowledge of knowing I'm standing on something gives me the confidence to stand here. So understanding something is important. Understanding the promises of the gospel of Jesus Christ is absolutely essential to your movement and your ongoing in life. And that's why you've probably heard it said, you don't know, should just to preach the gospel to other people. Preach it to yourself every day. Tell people, tell yourself it's true. Jesus is my righteousness. Jesus really is real. He came and he died for all my sins. So no matter how often I screw up, no matter how wrong, all my do it wrong, that Jesus already paid for those. And I can get up, I can trust him for forgiveness, and I can press on because I know it is true. That knowledge is important. And that's why it is so important for, for all of us to read God's word regularly. Because as we read God's word, we learn to know and are reminded of the truth of who God is and what he's done for us through Jesus. Knowing, knowing the promises of the gospel, knowing that Jesus died for us, knowing that God loves us, knowing that we can boldly come before God anytime, anytime. And he will hear us and he'll care for us. The other phrase is in the Lord. So when we go through life, so often what we do is this. Um, and we Christians do it, everybody does it. We, we try to do it in our own strength. Uh, one of the fascinating things about little kids, my, my son is, uh, my son's uh, 26, so uh, these are old stories. But when he was a little guy, when he was a toddler, you know, those twos and threes, for my son, the threes were the terrible threes, not the terrible twos. But, you know, his favorite words were no and mine, right? No and mine. But, and, and generally, he felt so confident of being able to do things on his own, right? I can do it. It's mine. I'll do it by myself. And there was this determination. And there's some times where as a parent, you go, okay, go ahead and try. But there's other times you go, no, I'm not going to let you do that. Because it wouldn't be safe for him. But you see, what we Christians do sometimes is we go on and we think, I can do it by myself. I asked Jesus in my heart. I received him as my Savior. Now I'm going on my own, and I'm going to be real strong, and, and I'm going to follow Jesus, and I don't care how hard life gets, I can do it by myself. That's not living life or doing or being a witness in the Lord. In the Lord means like, you know what, Jesus? If you're not with me, if your Holy Spirit isn't guiding me, strengthening me, this is going to be the biggest mess up that ever happened. If I try to walk into this situation, if I try to overcome this sin, if I try to overcome this addiction simply by trying harder, promising one more time, man, I had friends that, that, you know, that were struggling with addiction, and they, they, would, they would say stuff like, you know, God, if I do it one more time, you know, make my, make my arm fall off or something. You see what I'm saying? Like, uh, no, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. But when we do things in the Lord, that means it's in his strength and in his power and in the promises that he gives us in the Lord. Because our growth, it's not only when we come to Jesus that he saves us from our sin, from the penalty of our sin, but Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, continues to save us from the power of sin. We can't do it on our own. Any of it from beginning to end. So in the Lord, it's profound. Your labor is, it's, if it's in the Lord, it is not in vain. But if it, you do it on your own, I promise you, 
you'll fail. You may think you win sometimes, but it's just a perception. So your labor, the work that you do, is not in vain. It's not a waste of time. It's not without purpose. It's not with, without value. Let me just real quick read a couple of the verses. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the, and, and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. He's, he's not going to overlook it. God's not going to overlook it. Galatians 6, 9 through 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those of the household of faith. Not growing weary, continuing to work hard, even when it seems pointless. Even when it seems pointless. You know... Um, most of us kind of have these things, and there's times where we wear them, there's times where we don't. And if we don't wear them, it's because, uh, well, I don't think they do any good anyway. And if we begin to think they don't do good any good anyway, we're just less likely to wear them, right? And the same thing, if we, if we really think in our hearts that what we do, our life is not important, and what I do is not important, then we're just going to give up. We get tired very easy. But when we, and this is my encouragement to you, when you pause and realize that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are, a, you're, you are one of his sons or daughters. He loves you more than you could ever ask or imagine. And just like, like with my son, as he grew up, I wanted him to succeed. You know, it wasn't my goal to make him mess up. I didn't say do it yourself simply because I wanted him to, to mess up in life. I want, him to, I want him to grow. I want him to learn. But most of all, I want to know that his daddy loved him. And his dad was going to watch over and do all he could so that he would grow. See, our Heavenly Father loves us in the same way. And your labor is not in vain. But it may seem that way. And this is what we have to guard and what I want to encourage you about. Whether you're struggling in your own personal life, whether you're struggling in your work, or you're simply trying to be that witness for Jesus, and you're trying to be that, but it just seems like a waste of time. Pastor Joe, Pastor Dylan said, hey, let's go reach people in the neighborhood. And you're like, I'm trying, I'm trying, but it isn't working. Let somebody else do it. You want, it's easy to give up in all of our life. But what Paul is saying, it's not in vain. It's not in vain. It's not a waste of time. Watching certain fall football teams may be a waste of time. Maybe. Don't throw me out. Don't throw me out. It may be, right? But doing the work of Jesus, pressing on in our personal lives, striving to become more like Jesus is not a waste of time. Because Paul understood in his, in his letter to Philippians, he said, he who began a good work in us is faithful and said he maybe will complete it if he feels like it. No, 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 no. He says he will complete it. So it's not in vain. Even though you may feel discouraged, there's all of eternity, there's all of your life to see what God's going to do. And God's promises are true. God will complete the work. He's sovereign over all creation. He's in control of all things, even though we may not see it or recognize it. And we have to be a people that step out and trust. Your labor's not in vain. But be sure that whatever you're, you're focusing it on, it's in the Lord that you really are trusting in the finished work of Jesus, not only to save you from the penalty of your sins, but to help you as you go through life. The Holy Spirit of Christ Jesus is given to believers. He doesn't come and go. He's there. 
and he's there to work in and through you. And because of that, it's not a waste of time. It's not a waste of time. Trust me. Let me pray. Father, as we are here today, this evening, uh, Father, every one of us in this room (laughs) face those days where it just feels like everything's a waste of time. Our lives are a waste of time. Trying to be a good Christian is a waste of time. Trying to be a witness is a waste of time. It just seems like nothing's working. But Father, I pray that starting now in all of our lives, that you would begin to grant us the faith that we need to continue in life. So that whatever we're struggling with, Father, if we're struggling with addictions, if we're struggling with hopelessness, if we're struggling with depression, if we're struggling with just absolute despair, that we can come to you and know that you are there. And as, as your children who are in Christ Jesus, none of it's a waste of time. So give us the faith. Give us the faith to follow you. Give us the faith to look to you. Give us the faith to go to your word on a daily basis, to read the Bible. Give us the faith to pray as we think, as we go through our lives, and look to you for strength and hope. But most of all, Father, I pray that you give us the faith and the grace to never, ever, ever give up because you promise that you will never, ever, ever, ever give up on us. Amen. And that what you promise is true and that one day Jesus is coming again and he'll make all things new, all things perfect. We look forward to that day, but we, Father, we wait for you. We pray in Jesus' name.